Well, as I promised, uh, we're going to continue to deal with the family. On Wednesday night, we addressed uh, several critical areas that faith both, face both the parents and um, their young men who are transforming into biblical manhood. And this morning, we are going to tackle the other side of the gender line. We're going to talk to the young ladies and their parents. We'll be reading out of both First and Second Timothy, First and Second Timothy, and we will begin in Second Timothy, chapter three. Second Timothy, chapter three, and we'll read verses one through six. This passage, of course, is describing last day deception. This know also that in the last days perilous times shall come, for men shall be lovers of their own selves, covetous, boasters, proud, blasphemers, disobedient to parents, unthankful, unholy, without natural affection, truce breakers, false accusers, incontinent, fierce, despisers of those that are good, traitors, heady, high-minded, lovers of pleasures more than lovers of God having a form of godliness, but denying the power thereof. From such, turn away. And I want you to take note of this next sentence here. For for of this sort are they which creep into houses and lead captive silly women, laden with sins, led away with divers' lust. Now, for, for our concern here this morning... I only have one simple point to establish from this text. Namely, it's a terrible and an awful thing to be deceived. Isn't that right? Amen. But it's even worse to be so undiscerning and so spiritually vulnerable that you're led captive, amen, by those that are deceived. Amen. And that's exactly the fate of the untrained unconverted, ungodly woman. Amen. A silly woman. Amen. You see, listen to me, young ladies. Your only hope to escape this last day apostasy is to follow the Lord Jesus Christ and to embrace your role as a biblical woman. That is your only hope. You will not be the exception. You're either going to follow Christ or you're going to be a foolish, silly woman who is vulnerable to every two-bit lie that the devil can come up with. Amen? And so, parents, what we read here, this is an example of what your daughter doesn't need to be. Amen? She doesn't need to be, namely, a silly woman. Or that literally means foolish, morally small, lacking in spiritual character, unprepared to fulfill her God-ordained calling. Any woman, listen to me, that does not embrace and fulfill what God has called her to do, amen, in her gender role, is basically a silly woman. Now turn back one epistle to 1 Timothy chapter 5. 1 Timothy chapter 5, verses 13 and 14. And the context here is for, are spoken to young widows. Of course, uh, the life expectancy at this time was a lot uh, lower than it is today. It was common 
for uh, women, very young women, to lose their husbands. But I do believe there is a universal application uh, for all women here in this passage. First Timothy five thirteen through 14 And with all they learned to be idle, wandering about from house to house, and not only idle, but tattlers also, and busybodies, speaking things which they ought not. I will, and this is not just Paul's will, this is inspired, this is speaking and communicating the inspired will of God. I will that the young women, amen, we're speaking, or the younger women, we're speaking here this morning to the younger women. Younger women marry, bear children, guide the house, give none occasion to the adversary to speak reproachfully. Now, contained in this passage, we're given ample spiritual instruction for both parents and their young ladies desiring to avoid raising up or becoming silly women. Amen. How many want to avoid being a silly woman? Amen. Or raising up your daughters as silly women? I do. Amen. Well, let's give heed. Amen. Let's take heed to the Word of God. Our thought here this morning, are you raising fair maidens or silly women? Are you raising fair maidens or silly women? Pray with me. Father, we trust you here this morning to speak to us, to speak to us your truth, to speak to us your word. Father, just as you spoke to these young men on Wednesday night, Father, these young ladies need the word of the Lord. They need to be touched in their conscience. They need to be provoked. Their faith needs to be built, Father. I pray you expose every lie of the devil. I pray in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. You convict, you compel, you draw these young ladies unto yourself. We ask it in the name of Jesus. Amen and amen. Now, as we know, and we will all concede in the last generation, uh, and really in the last several generations, there has been a sweeping feminist revolution. And it is a revolution of how women view themselves and how they view their roles, how they view men, how they view their families, and how they view their primary calling. Amen? Now, this doctrine of feminism, it is nothing less than antichrist, and God utterly abhors it. It does not have anything in it worthy of, uh, you know, commendation. doesn't have anything in it worthy to be called truth. It is part of the last day apostasy. Amen. And though it's not a popular thought that women should be subject to their husbands, what we've seen in the last generation is to say that or to profess to believe that or to hold to this biblical truth is considered something shameful. Amen. But, you know, just because something is unpopular doesn't mean it's not the truth. In fact, many times, most of the time, what's unpopular, amen, or rather what is true will be unpopular with the unconverted. You know, listen to me, that's the warfare that many times we go through when, uh, you know, the culture totally rejects a scriptural truth, and for you to hold to that, amen, it's considered a shame. It's considered awful. You see, we're to a 
identify with Jesus Christ and identify with His Word. You know, consider sodomy. You just go back 50 years and walk the streets of America and you poll people and ask your average American, what do you think about men that sleep with other men? And I guarantee you, nine out of ten would have said it's disgusting. Something's wrong with that. But now to even say that in public, amen, it's considered a shame. Uh, you know, we're, we're saying for women to be subject to their husbands is a biblical principle. It's a glorious truth. Amen. It's right. It's orderly. It is beautiful. I said it's beautiful. Amen. But you know, in the same sense that antinomianism has been promoted, you know, all that we're saying, you know, the truth of the, of the gospel, the truth of New Testament holiness is that the church ought to be subject to the Lord Jesus Christ. But to believe that in this hour is considered shameful and legal. Well, that doesn't mean it's not true, though. We don't need to be ashamed of the truth. Even in the church, it's rare to find young ladies who have not been poisoned or leavened or influenced in some way by modernist thinking. And listen, you say, well, not my children, because my children have been homeschooled. Well, that's unless you've been affected by modernist thinking, and you've taught your daughter. And don't think you're above that, amen? Because this is so subtle. Amen. And we've all been indoctrinated into this terrible and awful view. Amen. Susan Hunt said it's time for women of biblical faith to reclaim our territory. We know the designer. We have his instruction manual. If we don't display the divine design of his female creation, no one will. But if we do, it will be a profound testimony to a watching and needy world. Amen. I believe that's a call to be a biblical woman. Indeed, to be domestically inclined, to be a godly wife and mother, to aspire to a life calling to rear up godly seed for Jesus, all these high and holy and scriptural pursuits have been denigrated in the eyes of today's anti-biblical culture. Nonetheless, I would boldly assert a woman cannot follow Jesus and simultaneously reject these absolutes. Did you hear me? I do not believe a woman can... Fully follow or truly follow Jesus Christ and simultaneously reject these scriptural absolutes. So for your edification here this morning, I see in our passage here out of Second Timothy, three warnings, three exhortations, and one promise in our text. Amen. And contained here, young ladies and parents of young ladies, Amen. If you will avoid raising and becoming silly women, you have the biblical blueprint right here before you. Let us take heed to what the Holy Ghost is saying through this passage. The first warning, don't learn to be idle. Don't learn to be idle. And, you know, before I delve too deeply into this, let me qualify these biblical principles, amen, that's given to us by the Holy Ghost with the greatest principle. We're reminded that Jesus said, without me, ye can do what? Nothing. Amen. Without me, ye can do nothing. So it is a given. You see, no man and no woman can fulfill their heavenly calling without completely relying on Jesus Christ and his 
His finished work. So let's qualify everything that we say here, amen, before we get too deep. You're going to have to walk with Jesus. You're going to have to have a zeal and a jealousy for the name of God and for His glory and for His divine pattern. All this is going to have to flow out of a love and concern for God and His Word. And if you don't have that, you're not going to keep these principles. You may externally hold to them. You may intellectually agree with them. But you will not fulfill these things without sole reliance on Christ and His finished work through an abiding and vibrant relationship with Him. And with all, they learn to be idle. Now that word idle in the original languages means to be inactive, unemployed, lazy, useless, and slow. You see, a silly woman refuses to embrace her calling to labor and falls into the pattern of laziness. And you don't have to be taught to be lazy, amen. That flesh, that carnal existence, amen, it just abides in laziness. But make no mistake, the call to biblical womanhood demands a mind to work. And so, young lady, if you're not given to work, if you despise work, if you would rather not work, amen, then you are ill-prepared for what God is calling you to fulfill. And parents, if your daughter, amen, shuns work, amen, then she is not ready, amen, for biblical womanhood. And it's your responsibility to train her and prepare her to be someone who does not learn to be idle. It's true men and women have different functions in the family, indeed in the kingdom of God. But much like the man, young ladies, if you recoil at the idea of hard work, you'll not fulfill what God has called you to fulfill. Much like men, amen, they must be trained, they must be prepped, they must be, there must be oversight to teach them to work, amen. You know, of course, the rebellion against God's role for wives and mothers is multifaceted. And I would concede that and admit it. And his various, you know, spiritual dynamics at work. Of course, rebellion is one of the leading, uh, you know, undermining or underpinnings of the rejection of, you know, the gender roles as defined by the Scripture. But over the years, I've seen one of the leading motivations for this rebellion is simple and it's almost too obvious. It's just plain laziness by women. Amen. Don't be deceived. The same culture that for the past 25 years has churned out one lazy, irresponsible man after another has likewise spawned an entire generation of lazy women. Amen. They hate the traditional role of the wife and the mother but because it demands, at least in part, hard work. Oh, you can't learn to be idle and fulfill your call as a godly woman. If you're to love your husbands, if you're to love your children, it is going to require self-denial, labor, and sacrifice. And listen to me. You are going to stand before God for what God has required you to do, what He's commanded you to do as a godly mother, a godly wife, amen, to be a holy woman. And there is a responsibility. There is a moral obligation. And you're going to give an account, amen, for what you are called to do. And notice, parents, these women are learning to be idle, which is just another way of informing us that they're not 
purposely trained to work. You know, if your child's not trained to work, they're not going to learn how. But this is something that just, it baffles me about people. They don't put any responsibility on their children. They don't give them chores. They don't make them pick up out of, uh, after themselves. They go about and do things for, and then they suppose that, you know, one day they're just going to become a good worker. No, they're not. One way or another, they're going to have to learn to work. And it's your responsibility to put some responsibility with repercussions upon them. You know, we practice uh, that principle. If you don't work, we still practice that. You don't work, you don't eat. And that's uh, often how I have, uh, that's been the repercussions in my home many times when children refuse to do what they're told or work in regards to labor or work. Hey, big, go ahead. All right, we're just going to skip the next meal. And, you know, you say, well, I I have a child that's very difficult. I'm not sure, you know, that that would motivate them. Oh, yeah. There's going to come some point in time they're going to get motivated. It may not be one meal. It may not be two. It might not be a day. It may not be two days. But there's going to come a point. I promise you, they get hungry enough. They're going to work. Amen. And that you say, that's cruel. Well, then you are accusing God. Amen. Because that's exactly what they're going to face one day. Amen. If they don't work as adults, amen, they are not going to eat because the only way you eat is you work. And that's not isolated to men. All of us have responsibilities that must be fulfilled. As young men, for the most part, amen, they look to their fathers to define their God-ordained roles. Amen. Young ladies learn from their Mothers. Amen. So, you see, mothers, you have to ask yourself the question, am I, is there a tendency in me to be lazy? Amen. Am I one who sleeps late, keeps as a pattern of filthy house, refuses to cook, etc., so forth and so on? Do I neglect my duties? Amen. As a mother and as a wife, am I, you know, uh, one that shuns my domestic responsibilities? It's a very valid question. Now, I realize we have large families. I realize we homeschool, amen. I realize that sometimes it's difficult to balance all of that. I promise you there's some days in the middle of the day, I don't want you to walk in my house, amen, because it needs to be cleaned, amen. And so, but we have to home, there's a lot of things we have to juggle. But I'm talking about a pattern here. A pattern, amen, not that your house has to be spotless in every place all the time, amen, but that there is, is there, you can, you know, listen to me, you know in your, I'm a man, I have a responsibility to provide for my home, amen, and I know that I have to get up and I got to go to work. I know when I look at the weather report, amen, and it's 70% rain, amen, on Tuesday, I better get it done on, you know, money. It would be irresponsible for me to hope for the best and just wait till the last, you know, uh, seven hours I got in the week to get my work done. Wake up early. Amen. Get it out of the way. Amen. That's, that's part of my responsibility. So I know whether, you know, I'm, you know, shirking that responsibility. And ladies, your, you know, domain or your area, your sphere of calling is in the domestic or in the home. And are you, uh, is there a pattern of laziness, amen, that your children, amen, have been observing in you? Because they're going to learn more by that than by what you say. 
I can remember when the fellowship, we first uh, started the church here, and there was a lot of emphasis in the beginning on the family. I probably uh, preached on the family and counseled on the family and rebuked on the family and just uh, talked about it all the time. But the reason, because families are so out of order in this hour, so there was a lot of emphasis placed on the home and training and etc. And I, I can remember, you know, my wife, she lived in a pastor's home when she got born again. And thank God they taught her something. They didn't just have her, you know, stay there and just, uh, you know, have her memorize some Bible verse, which is good. Amen. They had her do that. But they taught her some practical things. Amen. They taught her. You, you don't go to someone's house and uh, fellowship with them and let your children just tear the house up and don't clean up after yourself. You get in the kitchen, you help, you labor. Don't don't you just go somewhere and not help, amen? And that was something that, you know, she was taught, and it's something that we taught people when we first came. We taught people, discipline your, your children, require something of them, amen? But, you know, over the years, uh, that's kind of, a, there's been a looseness in that, amen? We need to tighten that. Now we've got people, amen, come here for, you know, some of you have been, you ain't never helped. You know whose fault that is? First, it's mine. But I'm going to be washing my hands of that now. Because I'm telling you. But then, it's that blind, self-centered husband who doesn't teach his wife. Well, brother, we got small children. We got, we got, we, we got Jimmy children I got up there. They, they didn't, they didn't, you know, begin like this. They all started out small. I didn't ever excuse my wife from helping because she had small children. Well, well brother, if we, if we help in the get, then our children are going to be outside and you rebuke just for them all running. Well, yeah, that's out of order too. See, we need to just get our children where they'll behave. In the early days of this fellowship, we had fellowships and children and I was talking to my wife that we're going to have to get back to that. Where my children just go sit on the floor. Hey, but we just, they'd line up and until they learned how to, be, it would just sit there two, three, four hours. Just, and they did. You could hear a pin drop. The adults could talk. Everything went orderly. Amen. People could help. But if you, if you can't pull away, and I, I realize, men, we do need to watch. If it was, I'm just telling you, if it was, I wouldn't tell them, you got children and I'm going to go over here and fellowship and, uh, you know, you don't help nobody clean up. That's terrible. And that's selfish. You watch the children. I believe that as men, we should take the authority over our children when I, uh, the ladies have something to do. Amen. But listen to me. That kind of, it's a mind, it's a mindset. Of self-centeredness, of a lazy, idle spirit, amen, that doesn't bring glory to the Lord Jesus Christ. And again, I'm speaking of a pattern. There may be times, of course, you couldn't help. I understand. Everybody understand what I'm talking about. I'm not talking about once here, once there. Occasionally something's happening. Your child is sick. Your child is, you know, vomiting, whatever. You understand? I'm saying as a pattern, amen, you need to give yourself to labor and contribute. And this will teach your children. They will see this and they will pick it up. Amen. You don't need to learn to be idle, lazy, and slothful. After all, remember, young ladies, if you're to be married, your life calling is summarized by God with the term 
help meet. And such a term coined by God himself is not meant to be demeaning, but it is demanding. Amen. Don't, don't make any mistake about that. The very name implies that you're going to serve, but God never meant it as a demeaning term. Amen. Your office and your calling. Amen. I can't fulfill it. It is a high, a holy and a lofty calling that only you can fulfill. But don't make any mistake about it. It is demanding. It is demanding, and you'll require the grace of God. God has not called you to inertia, young lady, but to activity, to a life of servitude in his kingdom. And the more you embrace and surrender to your feminine calling, the more grace will avail in your life, the more alive and spiritually alert you will be. Amen. Uh, Proverbs 19 and 15 says, Slothfulness casteth into a deep sleep. And an idle soul shall suffer hunger. Most women that I've seen that, that have difficulty in this is because they've never really surrendered to what God has called them to do. And they've never by faith understood. You see, I, if, if I, if I don't think that I can be a preacher without someone helping me, if I believe I can't be a preacher until I, you know, retire, and I believe I can't preach the gospel until, you know, I attain this level of, uh, you know, financial security. I mean, I could just name a thousand different things. I was called to preach when I got born again, and God expected me to do it. Amen. And all I have need of to fulfill that is Jesus. And listen to me, young lady. Listen to me, mothers and wives. If you say, I cannot do what God has called me to do unless my husband helps me, unless my children get older than five years, it's unbelief. And you will never fulfill what God has called you to do. Amen. Whatever God expects of you and whatever your husband demands of you within reason, or should I say within the confines of Scripture, amen, you can do it. Amen. And if you don't do it, you're a rebel. That's the truth. And there's something amiss in your spirit. You see, listen to me. You've been called to be a helpmate. The more you give yourself to that calling and embrace it, I must. You see, the same way the preacher must say, Woe unto me if I preach not the gospel. This should be your mentor. Woe be unto me if I not fulfill what God has called me to fulfill. Amen. As a, as a woman, young ladies like young men should be practically trained to work. Teach them to cook. Get him, get him out, put a, put a stool out there. Get it, get some one of those, uh, you know, little plastic stools and stand, stand them up there and get them before us. Teach them to cook. Teach them to run the washing machine. Teach them to, to do the, the mop, to sweep, whatever it is. Teach them the domestic duties. Of course they need to pray. Of course they need to read the Bible. But they need to learn to work. Because if they don't learn to work, they're going to learn to be idle. And that's the first step in being a silly woman. A lazy woman is a silly woman. A slothful woman is a silly woman. A woman that doesn't roll out of bed, amen, in the morning, amen, and doesn't get to, and again, there, some, do you ever sleep late? Mm-hmm. I sleep late on Saturdays. Is it wrong taking a day to sleep? No, I'm talking about a pattern. Did you hear me? A pattern. 
But if you just, you know, roll out of bed at 10 o'clock every morning, kick through all the trash and the laundry and ring around the commode, amen, just, that's a reproach to Jesus. Second warning, don't go house to house, wandering about from house to house. Now, they didn't have malls back then, but if they did, it might have, might have said mall to mall. <laughs> to be a godly woman demands that you be domestically inclined. Titus 2, and find to be discreet, chaste. Keepers at home. That means stayers at home. Good, obedient to their own husbands. That the word of God be not blasphemed. Is that really that important? You tell me. Keeps the word of God from being blasphemed. You cannot fulfill your calling in the home if you despise being in your home. Now listen to me. I've met so many women who don't like to be at home. It's more than just, you know, I've got to spend this many. It's it's a heart attitude. The silly woman, instead of obeying the Bible and allowing her life to revolve around her home life, amen, she yearns to be on the go, amen. She wants to be in the mall, bargain hunting. Looking here, there, and and it's not just, you know, of course, we, we've got to shop. We've got to go to the grocery store. You've got to buy a thing. I understand that. There comes days you may have to spend the entire day shopping. Amen. But listen to me. The issue is most women that I have met that really despise their calling to be domestically inclined, they just didn't like being at home. Amen. They were bored. They were blind to the real loftiness of their calling to center their life around that home life. And they didn't see it. Blind to it. The silly woman is discontented with her call. You see, your thoughts in your heart, the thoughts and the heart of the godly woman is toward her home. Meaning, of course, not just, you know, her house where she lives, but her household. Amen. But the silly woman, as I said, is discontented with her call, amen, dissatisfied with her God-ordained place. And her spirit and her heart longs to roam, amen, wants to run the roads, wants to just get out of the house, take me out to eat, amen, take me shopping. I just need to get out of the house. Now, is there anything wrong? With wanting to get out of the house occasionally? No. Everybody understand. I'm trying to qualify this. Sometimes it's a good thing. Just let my wife bring her down somewhere. Let her take a ride by herself. Just get some peace and quiet. But I'm speaking of a pattern. Amen. It's the silly woman. 
Amen. The silly woman that is discontented in her household. Amen. Taking care of the home. Looking to the needs of her husband and the needs of her children as under the lordship of Christ. And notice the term wandering is used. Amen. Meaning a sense of vacillation or conveying the idea of never finding any fulfillment. An aimlessness in the spirit. And we've had women like that in this church before, amen, never fulfilled, never content, but refused to surrender to their God-called place. Did they run the roads? Some of them did. They could. Some of them never left home. But they wanted to. Some of them didn't have a way. Didn't have money to do it. But if they could have. They'd have been gone from sunup to sundown because their heart wasn't in it. The city woman sees the woman, see, pardon me, sees the home, if you will, to be tedious, boring, oppressive, confining. Do you see your household like that? Inwardly, are you free? Are you liberated? Are you excited? Well, what if I viewed my ministry like this is, I knew a man who so backslid, he hated preaching. He really hated being a pastor. What condition do you think his church was in? Awful. Are you domestically inclined? Is your heart toward your household? If not, you're going to raise up daughters who hate what God has called them to do. A woman who always wants to be on the go, who neglects her home, is rejecting her God-ordained calling. From a young age, young ladies must see their calling to the home. That's what God has called them to be, domestically inclined. The third warning. Oh, this is a good one. Don't be a tattling busybody. <laughs> Don't be a tattling busy, but you know the Holy Ghost is a name caller. You know what people get say, you call somebody a name. <laughs> How about tattlers and busybodies and silly? The Holy Ghost likes to tell you what you are. But tattlers and busybodies speaking things which they ought not. Silly women, instead of being busy at their domestic duties. They become busybodies. You know, if you're not busy at God's work, then what you're, you're going to be busy at something else that God don't want you to be busy at. Such odd women tend to be talebearers, whispers, light, trifling persons, all noise and no work. They refuse to attend to their own business, but become enamored with everyone else's. They can tell other people how to do it, but they rarely do it themselves. They spend a lot of time on the phone, on the internet, on their iPhone, talking, texting, far more time speaking things they ought not to speak and texting things they ought not text and writing things and communicating things they ought not communicate at much more time than in their kitchen, on their knees, whatever it may be what God has called them to do. 
the homeschools stalled in kindergarten. Amen. You're scared to get in the shower. You may catch some kind of disease from mold. Dishes stacked up in the sink. Again, listen to me. I'm quiet. I, there's some. I got, it takes a lot of dishes for us to eat. I, I told my wife, let's just get get paper plates and plastic spoons and forks. Be a lot easier. There's times it's stacked high. I don't want anybody to see that. Amen. I'm admitting there's times that we have a dirty house and a dirty kitchen. But I'm speaking as a pattern. And, and when it's like that, amen, then there's a desire for let, let's get it in order. Do you understand? Not just, you know, I'm going to spend all day texting and, you know, on Facebook and uh, g- gossiping with somebody or talking to somebody on the phone. Well, fly a circle around, you know, my sink filled with dirty dishes. And, you know, you'll, if you have daughters 10, 12 years, they ought to be able to clean that up. I'm training my daughters, me and my wife. I might, they may have to let me stay home for a few uh, weeks with them. Amen. Let them go through the boot camp. The long, I had to apply that to the household. Amen. But uh, they're going to learn. I believe in God. They're going to learn. They have to be taught. They have to be taught to clean. They have to be taught to do a good job. A third, you know, when I brought these young men out to, I, you know, I, I'm usually a fairly realistic person. You know, I have a pretty realistic view of how it's going to go, what have you. But I, I, I was surprised that I'm, I need glasses and I can see trash from afar off. Amen. I can't see a piece of, like a tumbleweed, like a piece of newspaper rolling through, uh, you know, property. I can see that from, you know, 40, 50 feet. The trash! Huh? It flies in there. Huh? What, what trash? I mean, you don't see the trash? Everywhere trash. They, they hardly any of them pass that Micah has. Hey, I mean, they, they can't see. It's like, <laughs> I can't understand this. It's a, a piece of white paper. It's right there. You can see it. I, know, I don't know what it is. I know it's white. A lot of times I'll see a mushroom because it's white, you know, in the morning. And I'll think it's trash. And they'll, it's a mushroom. Dad. But I can see there's something over there that's not green. We're not leaving that there. People paid for us to clean this up. Well, I know, Brother Britt, you know, you, you told them to pick it up, and then the next week they got it. That, it I mean, that's not very complicated, is it? Pick, pick the trash. Pick it up. Put it in the trash can. Now, it doesn't. A lot of times I, how long you been doing this? Five years. How long you would expect someone else to take to, to figure out how to, you know, like if they couldn't figure out how to pick up trash in like three weeks, two weeks, would you think like they're mentally deficient? Yes, sir. Well, you've been doing this five years. What's wrong? But there is hope. You see, they don't learn it. You see, laziness, something that has to be, amen, there's got to be oversight. You've got to make, and listen to me, it's, it can be frustrating. It can be very frustrating. It can be discouraging because you wonder, can they, can they learn how to do this? But they can. If you make them do it. You see, it's easier as far as just, I'm going to do it myself. Just get it done and let's move on. When you got, you know, 15, 20 yards and you've got to go out there and do But that's the way that they're going to learn. Make them do it. 
Amen. There is light at the end of the tunnel. It's the same way with girls. Amen. They're going to be in the home. You're going to tell them clean the kitchen, and you're going to go in there, and there'll be rats running across the counter, and they think that's clean. Banana peels on the ground, you know, food smeared on the... What is this? Is this clean? This is not clean. This is not my definition of clean. I need to see that. How can you not see a smeared banana all over the... It's like... What would... Stay with it. Stay with it and teach it. Because if you don't, one day you're going to give a husband someone who can't even pick up a peeled banana. They've got to be trained. How did we get back on that? I'm on tattling, right? Oh, instead of cleaning, you're tattling. Amen. Start off with don't be idle, amen, so that's important. (laughs) See, you only have two choices. Either you're going to occupy yourself with what God called you to do, or you're going to be busy doing something else. And in most cases, listen to me, if you're not fulfilling what God's called you to do, to be guiding the house, loving your husband, loving you. It's because you're busy doing something else. And God calls it a busy body. As the old saying goes, an idle soul is a devil's workshop. See, if you occupy yourself with what God has called you to do, amen, then you are to some degree are shutting the door on the devil. True, just doing the externals will not, alone will not keep your soul. But no doubt resolving to stay busy in the kingdom has kept many an individual from the snare of the enemy. Amen. Now you know it's the same principle as the street. Amen. You know just going on the street, continuing to go out of mere duty doesn't carry with it any virtue at all but that doesn't mean you quit going you better have the sense that this is my obligation and this is my duty because as you go and as you continue to hold even external then god can deal with you but the moment you stay back and you pull back from the front lines you're going to be looking at somebody bathing hey on the roof of the house it's the same thing with the ladies Amen. No, no, just doing the, keeping busy about what God has called you to do. That's not going to save you alone. That alone's not going to make you spiritual. But that doesn't mean you oughtn't keep doing it. You ought to be resolved to do it. Young ladies, therefore, embrace the call to godly womanhood. Learning to be quiet and learning to work. First Peter 3 and 4, the ornament of a meek and quiet spirit. That's what you ought to put on, which is in the sight of God, a great price. It's hard to be a tattling busybody if you have a meek and quiet spirit. Don't you think? How can you be a, a tattling busybody if you're meek and quiet? If you will embrace the labor required to be a godly wife and a godly mother, then you won't have time to be a busybody. So if you will, you know, say, okay, God is called. It's the same thing, again, as being called as a man, being called in any uh, capacity in the kingdom of God. No one is going to fulfill that calling without attending to preparation in the spirit and in the natural. So God has called you to fulfill something. You need to be busy about your master's labor. 
We move on now to the exhortations. The first exhortation. We had three warnings. Amen. The first warning was don't learn to be idle. The second warning, don't go house to house. The third warning, don't be a tattling busybody. And now we move on to the exhortations. The first one, prepare to be a godly wife. I will therefore that the younger women marry. Young ladies should be praying for and preparing to be a helpmeet to a godly young man. Now, how do you go about doing this? Well, first and foremost, you need to be born again, obviously. You need to submit yourself to the Lord Jesus Christ himself and seek to please him in all things. Amen. You need, this is the foundation for all sound spirituality. If you don't have a relationship with Jesus, one of submission, one of love, one of seeking his face, then you're not going to fulfill your calling as a godly mother and a godly wife. Secondly, by submitting to your parents. Like any young man, you cannot be distracted because there's a desire to be married. Now, a desire to be married is normal. And in most cases, I would say, in the vast balance of cases, I believe it is the will of God for you to be married. Amen? But you can't allow that to become you know, front and center. It cannot be the center. It cannot allow, you know, be, uh, something that enamors your every thought and you become consumed and obsessed with being married. And, and I fear, especially among home, homeschooling uh, families where, you know, uh, biblical patriarchy and the, the model of the biblical home has been taught and promoted and young ladies have been, you know, pointed to Jesus and pointed to the Word of God and they've seen that, you know, uh, my call, my function is to be a help don't mean to be married, and so they begin to look toward that, and they yearn to be married. But yet, you know, if there's not a, a, a careful guarding of the heart that Je- Jesus remains at the center, then you can fall into great trouble and difficulty. You have to trust God, just like young men. They have to trust God with their future mate. I remember when we first, again, had the church here. There were two single uh, young ladies and uh, the church was even smaller than it is now. There was only one single uh, young man, and um, they they both didn't think it was God for them to marry uh, him. And uh, they wrestled with, you know, they they one of them was from Atlanta, the other one was from Pensacola. Uh, they had uh, been to college. They had been around a lot of um, you know male population. Now they're way out here in the middle of nowhere, in Centerville, where there's. Nobody hardly godly. There's a little church. I mean, how, how am I going to get married? And I remember talking to him one day. They're both really, you know, wrestling with it. And I just said, if you will concentrate on Jesus, then let Jesus concentrate a bit on your mate. And he can bring anybody he wants here anytime he needs to, a bit to bring you a husband. And amen. The first thing that happened was a, a young man. You all know the story. Stephen, uh, from the UK. Uh, he brought basically a young man from, uh, England, brought him, uh, to Centerville, Mississippi on his way to India to pick up a wife. Amen. And so he was able to do that. And so that was encouraging to Amanda. And likewise, she met a young man, a, a young preacher from Virginia. But God, I, my point is this. God is able to bring you a maid and to furnish 
partnership made for you if you will simply leave it to him. Amen. But you, nevertheless, you need to be, and the only way you're ever going to have a marriage that's fulfilling and a marriage that's going to glorify God is going to have to be the will of God. I think it was Brother Clinton and I heard him say there's nothing, there's only one thing worse than, uh, Wanting something you can't have, and that's having something you don't want. Amen. I can tell you, lots of people want to get married. If they marry outside the will of God, then they wish it wasn't so. Nothing worse, amen, than being married, amen, outside of the will of God. But if a young lady cannot submit to their parents, then they will not submit to their husbands. That'd be a question I would ask if I was a uh, young man looking for a wife. I would ask, does she obey you? That's what I'm going to. Now we got the other side here. Uh, these young, you better look at the mother. You better see how that mother submits to um, her father. You need to ask the parents: Do they submit and obey? Maybe do they submit to their parents and obey their parents? Because if they don't, don't be deceived. They're not going to submit to you. Every attitude then, parents, must be dealt with in young ladies. Now, this is true for young men. But, you know, again, with young ladies, sometimes we tend to be a little more, you know, soft, a little more uh, tolerant, a little overlook things. But, you know, those attitudes, that's what you have to record. That little, uh, you know, two-year-old child that holds his breath and throws a fit, that's what he'll do when he's 50. Amen, if it didn't dealt with. Uh, he's not going away. It's not just going to grow out of it. Amen, you say, well, he used to do that. I never corrected him before, and I hadn't seen him do it since he's 50. He's going to do it. He just does it in a different way. Well, that thing's going to have to be dealt with. And if you don't deal with it, Amen. Then, yeah, God can deal with it. Later, they get born again, submit to Christ. But uh, usually it's an awful, awful dealing that has to be done with individuals. Amen. That's why, listen to me, for a parent to uh, drive that foolishness out, to love that child with the, the correction and the love and the discipline of the rod is a very wonderful thing, a very liberating thing. But again, you know, it's not just, you know, don't do this. And when the person, you know, the young lady disobeys something, clear, you know, you've got to deal with the attitudes of heart. And, you know, with with women, you know, rebellion. You know, and my girls are different than my boys. They're They're, you know, feminine. And so... You know, the warfare for me to discipline them is different than me disciplining my, uh, you know, young men. And they have the potential, even though, you know, they may not be conscious of what's going on. The devil can use, you know, their, you know, <laughs> daddy to manipulate. And you can't allow that. Quit crying. Rebel! Manipulator! That's what that is. 
And, you know, boys don't do that. Boys usually, you know, spank them. Usually they get, if they don't get over it, you better deal with it. But girls are that tendency. <laughs> Be quiet. Why don't you cry for your miserable soul? Instead of weeping because you got caught. You gotta deal with it. Pouting. Victim! I'm a victim! Boys don't pull that too much, but girls pull it all the time. She did this, she did that. Makes God sick too. You got to deal with the attitude. The attitude has to be right or you're going to give that daughter to some man who is going to weep and wail that he married her. You're trying to manipulate him, losing the victory. Get the victory. Rise up. Put a smile on your face. Clean the kid. Do what you need to do with it. Joy! Or else. (laughs) Really though, they have to be dealt with. And they have to be made to overcome all, you know, especially women are very much, you know, subject to emotion, more so. They're more vulnerable to emotion. And so, and again, I, I don't deal with my girls the same way that I deal with my boys. And it is much more difficult, I will confess, much more difficult for me to deal with them, you know, very sternly and to hold ground, uh, 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 uh you know, like with the boys at times. But I still know I must do that or they are going to suffer because of it. They've got to be in the attitudes of heart. Like, you know, if your daughter has, or really your children, but, you know, I, and I've seen this, where people, their their child is allowed to lose the victory. Well, what is this? What? what that's wrong. You shouldn't allow that. Children being corrected and and just walk around just like they. You can't make them get the victory. I understand that. But you better address it. Just let a child lose the victory, go around murmuring and just throwing a fit in their body language, just rebellion, and just, you know, uh, contort. I mean, that's not right. That's just like you tell them, you go out to the car and sit in the car, and them say, I tell you, I'm not going anywhere. That's just that bad. It's the same thing. It's rebellion. You need to deal with their attitudes. Sit them down. Probe them. Don't be afraid of your children. I don't want them to despise or hate me. You don't deal with them in eternity. Hey, man, they're going to be looking for you. That can't be, listen to me, if you got any of that in your spirit, then listen, it's going to be the, one of the greatest temptations for you to be a good parent. You wrestle it all with them. Just don't want my child to despise me. Don't want them to. If that's part of your parenting, you know, struggle, you, you better die to that. 
Because that's your greatest enemy. It's your greatest enemy. Because, you know, I, I can say it, I can say it over and over again. In the scriptures, hey, Ben, you, you don't see admonition to over-discipline anybody. I'm not saying you couldn't sin and over-discipline them. I'm not saying you couldn't get in the flesh. I understand all that. But the warnings are for under-discipline, for a lack of oversight. Never for you, you paid too much attention. Now, they'll accuse you of that, but it doesn't matter what they accuse you of. I've told you, I'm free from that. And if they look at me one day and say, I'm not going to serve Jesus because you were too overbearing and wouldn't let me look at a video or whatever. Wouldn't you let me go somewhere, made me sit on a floor? It ain't going to bother me in the least. Not that accusation. And they get a sense of that too. They get a sense, and especially as children, and you see, listen to me, we've got children here all coming into that age. And if you haven't dealt uh, with young people that uh, come of age and begin to be able to reason and what have you, uh, the strategies and the tactics are different. And if you can't handle, amen, you know, young children, if they manipulate you, then you hardly have a chance with someone 15 years old if they're not right with God. You understand? You've got to learn to love Jesus more than you love anybody else. And you've got to be willing to please Jesus in all that you do, regardless if anybody understands it or likes it or not. You see, listen to me. Young ladies, you need to prepare to be a godly wife. And to be a godly wife, you have to submit to Jesus and you must submit to your parents. As young men are to be trained to be the provider, in the same sense, young ladies should be trained to be domestically inclined and submitted to their husbands. The second admonition, prepare to be a godly mother. The Apostle Paul, by the Holy Ghost, says, bear children. Motherhood is a high and holy calling. And young ladies, you must embrace this calling. Now we know that God desires a godly seed. And so therefore we should be jealous to fulfill our part in giving God what he desires. Now think about it. God demands a church without spot, blemish, or wrinkle. Is that right? He, he expects a holy and a sanctified church. So a man who's called to preach recognizes that he must prepare himself for that calling. This is the end that God would have a people that are holy and submitted to the Lordship of Christ. And he has chosen the fivefold ministry, amen, for the perfecting and the teaching, amen, of that church that they may raise up, uh, they may be raised up in the fullness of the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Well, amen. The preacher has to prepare himself to fulfill that call. And likewise, mothers, amen. If there's going to be a godly seed provided through you, you're going to have to surrender and prepare for that calling. You must first embrace the vision as a godly wife and then give yourselves soberly to love your husbands and then love the children. Amen. That you born. And the model, listen to me, really to embrace the model and the demonstration of the Word of God through submitting to the pattern that God has given for women. 
Doug Phillips says, Christian motherhood means dedicating your entire life in service of others. It means standing beside your husband, following him, and investing in the lives of children whom you hope will both survive you and surpass you. It means forgoing present satisfaction for eternal rewards. It means investing in the lives of others who may never fully appreciate your sacrifice or comprehend the depth of your love. And it means doing all these things, not because you will receive the praise of man, for you will not, but because God made you to be a woman and a mother. And there is great contentment in that biblical calling. And I would go so far as to say there is no contentment in anything else if you're a woman. Again, this requires practical training under the tutelage of your mother. Amen. Ladies, amen, must train their daughters. If you fail to have a vision to be a godly wife and a godly mother, then you will give place, as the scripture says, to the devil. And even though we may somehow, even when you, I recognize to some degree because I, and I believe you do as well because we know how important order is in the kingdom of God. But still, to make such a radical statement, to coin such a radical repercussion for not truly guiding the house and submitting to that God, it's really beyond our comprehension, but nevertheless is what God says. And we need to take what he says seriously. This is something that I said in a uh, Mother's Day message several years ago. The woman that views your life as a wife and mother grudgingly influences the entire household to think in the same way. She deprives everyone of the peace and joy that God intended to reign in a Christian home. Dear Mother, your bad attitude is infectious, and the only inoculation against it is a complete embracing of what you were created to be. And that's 90% of the issue right there. Will you embrace what God has called you to do and embrace it wholeheartedly and fall in love? Choose to do what God has called you to do. The third exhortation, guide the house. This simply means to wisely manage the affairs of the home under the authority of your husband. That's important. Not just guiding the house, amen, but under the authority, amen, of your husband. In other words, do it his way and after his priorities as long as they are within the framework of the Word of God. Again, a smoothly run home just doesn't happen. Young ladies must be trained to guide the house, and they must be trained not just to guide the house, but they must be trained to guide the house under the authority of their husbands. In other words, don't change your husband's mind when he's away to work. You are to be a helpmate, a servant. You know, Brother Charlie hires a young man who's an excellent, expert weed eater, fast, efficient, Excellent. He can sculpt almost like he's painting a painting with a weed eater. He knows how to blow. He knows how to ride a mower. He knows how to do everything. Landscape. He knows how to do it all. And he can do all of it effectively and even well above average. But none of that's any good if he won't obey. <laughs> if they say, look, let's first blow and then cut, and he goes out to the job and he cuts and then he blows. 
Even though he can do both of those singular tasks perfectly, amen, he is a headache to his authority. So sometimes you have a wife who's efficient. She can clean the house. She can homeschool. She can do these things, but she doesn't prioritize according to her husband's wishes. Sometimes there's conflict between two, you know, Positive things are things that should be, our attention should be, you know, given to. For example, you know, I'm having difficulty homeschooling the children, amen, and cleaning the house. Which should I do? Well, that's easy. What did your husband want? <laughs> do what he says. That's right. Can, but I, I'm not going to be able, he wants the house clean. Well, you explain to him. I can't clean the house adequately. I mean, I, there's some things I can't get done and homeschool at the same time. I need to do one or the other. And I'm going to get it done before the end of the day, but not before you get home or something like that. If he says, well, before I walk through that door, I want that clean. You better get it clean. Amen. That's what you need to do. Have a servant's heart. So, A young lady needs to learn how to guide the house, but she needs to learn how to guide it according to what her husband wants because she is to be submitted to him. There is a plan that must be employed. You know, if a woman doesn't have a plan, I have a plan for, you know, the way I cut grass, even though it's it's cutting grass, not rocket science, but I have a plan. I have an order. I have a schedule. I have a system whereby I organize my day so that I can be efficient at what I do. Now, everybody's not going to do the. There's a lot of people in here who cut grass, and everybody doesn't do it exactly the same way. But I promise you this. Amen. You take the man that's got a plan, and you take the man that doesn't have a plan, and the man with a plan is going to get more done in his day than the man without a plan. And you take a woman who just, you know, off the cuff, just off the hip, you know, wakes up. I don't know how I'm going to do what I'm doing today. Just do whatever comes, you know, the way the wind blows. That woman is not going to get very much done. Going to have to be a plan. So see, young ladies, to truly guide the house, you're going to have to have the savvy of an executive and a work ethic of a logger. You're going to have to combine again. Some people may be more organized than other people. But there has to be some plan. You must learn to guide the house. And God wouldn't command you to guide the house. Amen. In other words, manage wisely. Of course, when he said guided, he doesn't mean unwisely. He means wisely. He means in order. So that must mean you can do it. Well, of course you can. You see, a plan must be employed, and order must be implemented. Psalms 113 and 90, maketh the barren woman to keep house and to be a joyful mother of children. Praise ye the Lord. Amen. He can make you to do that if you will trust him. I've quoted this quote many times because I believe it's... uh, uh, communicates a profound thought. Terry Maxwell said, not managing our homes is one reason the enemy would have opportunity to slander us 
in our ministry. Now, managing the home is more than just clean. Everybody understand. This is the overall scope of what God has called you to do as a woman in regards to your home. Not managing our homes is one reason the enemy would have opportunity to slander us in our ministry. It is a poor testimony to always be sinking under the burden of our home workload. Have you known mothers who looked tired and worn whenever you saw them? Their faces did not indicate that they were joyful mothers of children. Or tell of a Jesus who says, Take my yoke upon you and learn of me, for I am meek and lowly in heart, and ye shall find rest under your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. As mothers, we want to learn to be home managers versus victims of our circumstances. We can, by choice, be managers of our homes and children. And again, I believe this speaks to that inner foundational choice of embracing the call. And I don't believe this woman. You know, what, what is she saying? Because I, sometimes I am tired. And sometimes I am fresh. Sometimes I'm worn out. So she's just saying, fake it? No. That's not what she's communicating. She's saying, if that's your experience, you need to seek God. You need to seek God and find the joy and find the rest that is found in Jesus. It's no different that if, you know, the ministry uh, of, of the pastorate was taxing me, amen, and you could somehow see that I was frustrated or losing my joy and my contentment and what God has called me to do, amen, the issue isn't, you know, just put on the right face. The issue is something is wrong with me. And you see, listen to me, even in a church like this, we've had people say, it's women who, I can't do this, it's too much. Well, they're accusing God. And that shouldn't be allowed. You can't think that. No more than I can think, you know, this is too much for me to get the victory. If I stood up there and said, every one of you know I had a wrong spirit. Well, this is what God called me to do. God called you to manage your house. To love your husband, love your children, and you can do it. And you can do it with joy. But you, if you don't believe that, you won't do it with joy. If you never surrender to the call, you will fall, fall short of your responsibility because the adversary is going to have occasion to bring reproach. And again, just because you do, just because I surrender to the call to preach and pursue that and believe God to give me grace to do what he's called me, it doesn't mean there's not going to be temptation. There's not going to be great tests, of course. As a mother, you're going to face great tests, amen, of your endurance, of your patience, amen, great tests of your faith. But as you abide in Christ and look to him for strength, amen, there will be provision for every And finally, the promise, a testimony above reproach. I believe that's what we all want in our homes, in our marriages, a testimony above reproach. Give none occasion to the adversary to speak reproachfully. In other words, if you will do the, if you will take heed to these warnings and you will submit to these exhortations, then you will shut the door on the devil to bring a reproach. If you don't take heed, amen, then you're going to give place to the devil. Let's stand here this morning. Praise the Lord. Are you raising fair maidens or silly women? Amen. Let's find a place and pray.
about what the Holy Ghost has said to us here this morning. Believe Him for grace. Believe Him for the anointing to teach and to be taught. Believe Him for a right heart, a right spirit. These young people can be raised up to be a testimony. We just need to believe God for them. Hallelujah, hallelujah.